everybody, and welcome back to the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Valverde and Walker Kelly, and we have a special guest, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, how's your day going? Hey, doing well. Happy to be on the show, guys. Awesome. Uh, good, good. Happy to have you, and uh, we'll get into your bona fides in a second, but first I want to know how, how my co-hosts are doing. Walker, how's your day going? Oh, it's it's been a boring day. Uh, it's rainy outside, so I wasn't able to go out and throw my discs around. Um, but uh, got stuff to look forward to. In two weekends, I have a tournament, and next this this upcoming weekend, my dad and I are going down to the PXG store in Troy to try out golf clubs. Nice, Mike. How's your day going? It's going pretty good. Um, doing some draft kit stuff and messing around with Red Dead 2. Nice, nice. You've got a mark on your wall that I thought was on my computer. I'm sitting here trying to rub it off, but it's on your wall. <laughs> You've got like a, li- a little tiny mark on your wall. That oh, yeah. Have. Down over by that plug in the blue. And <laughs> yeah, I thought that was on my laptop. Cat things. Yeah. Where Where is it? Where? Right, right by the cat stuff over behind yeah. you. Turn around by the plug. Oh, I know what that is. That's that's like a butterfly that yeah spins around. Oh, it's oh. hanging up in the air. Oh, okay. yeah, okay. But okay, it, I got it looks like a hole in my wall. It started freaking yeah, out. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. I thought maybe you were doing some uh, home renovation, like very specific home renovation, six inches off the ground. Yeah, uh, right. yeah. Three, three inches wide, six inches off the ground. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I I I'm having a good day. I have uh, been playing MLB The Show 22 uh of course you are yes of course tony is writing some great player profiles so i don't have to write jack squat for the website this week or last week or next week it's great i'm just posting the articles and then playing with shohei otani so um all right let me get the business stuff out of the way so um during the off season every other episode every other week is on our patreon feed this is of course on our free feed if you're getting this uh if you want to get the other episodes it's three bucks a month and uh, next week, we'll be talking rookie tight ends, which isn't the most uh, exhilarating or thrilling advertisement for. <laughs> hey, this this class, I think it'll be a good episode. I actually like the depth in this class. No, me too. We've talked about it briefly, so I, I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. But then in two weeks, we will have Herms back on this feed on April 20th. Uh, he does not celebrate the holiday, so we should be good to go. Uh, we'll be talking <laughs> rookie running backs then. Uh, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at Big Daddy Dricks is Walker. Mike is RFL Red Zone. I am Jeff Crisco, K-R-I-S-K-O. Website is F-Ball Absurdity. Discord is probably the best place to go. Tiny.cc slash FB Absurdity. And then Twitch.tv slash Football Absurdity has been on hiatus. But we've decided the Tuesday of the NFL draft, we are making our triumphant return to Twitch. Mike, <laughs> what are you going to be doing while we do a mock draft? I'm <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be suffering uh, quite a bit uh, by eating the Buffalo Wild Wings Carolina Reapers. There you go. Ten Mike. wings, five minutes. I don't cool. know if I want to do the cool off or not, but I'll probably do it anyways. And well, yeah, and all that while we are mock drafting. So while no. we're mock drafting, I'm telling you, <laughs> Damian Pierce is going number one. <laughs> he's just yelling. Mike's Damian just Pierce panic. is the name that's in his mind, and he's just yelling something. Just Mike's take just it. <laughs> Um, and then that Friday, we'll be live streaming on Twitch again um, for our episode that week. That'll also be the podcast. That's going to be round one recap and live and round two live reactions. So that'll be our triumphant return to Twitch. Uh, we kind of took the off season off for now. But 
Um, right now, uh, I mentioned we we have Patrick Mayhorn. Uh, Patrick, you can find him. Uh, he is the associate editor for Buckeye Sports Bulletin, uh, creator of The Outside Zone, and the co-host of Field Flipping. Uh, all flipping those, all, yeah, flipping the field. Uh, I will have links to all of those in uh, the description, and I think he has the most prestigious award, uh, which is Walker follows him on Twitter and vouches for him. Walker <laughs> is the known Twitter hater, so. Um, I do dislike a lot of people on the website. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Patrick, uh, did you go to Ohio State? Did you grow up in the area? How did you get really into uh, the Buckeyes? Um, I, I did grow up in the area. I actually, I, I cover the team for, uh, for it's a Buckeye Sports Bulletin as a local independent newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cover the team just as a, as a journalist. I have grown away from, from, uh, <laughs> from fandom in recent years, which is actually kind of a running joke on my, uh, yeah. On on my shows is that despite covering Ohio State for my entire life, I don't really like Ohio State. All that oh much. wow! <laughs> um, but uh, I did grow up in the area, and I, I did sort of just by virtue of being in Columbus get into covering the team, and I've been doing that uh, since I think twenty seventeen. I think I want to say twenty seventeen. Okay. Um, the outside zone is just a it's a group of five newsletter that I that I do a group of five football newsletter and then flipping the field I host with uh, Ryan Donnelly and that's that's sort of our our national show but uh, all of that I sort of just backed into didn't go to Ohio State didn't didn't do anything of that just grew up in Columbus and and wanted to write about football and here I am <laughs> still in Columbus writing about football yeah you don't have much of a choice if you're in Columbus um, yeah. Yeah, to, sort to go. of. Yeah, sort of push you into it. <laughs> yeah. I have I have family in Columbus. My 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 dad is from Cleveland, so I have some family in Columbus, and they're they're big uh, Ohio State fans. So um, yeah, I I doubt she's listening, let's, but let's Patty, just, if you're listening, shout out. Let's just let's just get this out of the way. Boo. <laughs> there you go. Go yeah. as a Michigan yeah, the, native. Uh, the next hour of the episode is going to be Patrick and Walker fighting. Go that's, green, that's go white. <laughs> it's Walker. Go blue, green. So, um, so are you, it sounds like you're more of a college guy than a fantasy guy, right? You don't, you don't That's really correct. do a lot of fantasy. Yeah, I, um, I'm actually, I'm Ryan and I are, he, he has, he has sort of pulled me into a league. We're on, we ostensibly both own a team together, but I have not looked at the app in about two years. Um, <laughs> I'm a college guy. That is, that is mm-hmm. my, my, uh, my, uh, I guess bona fides here is that I watch a ton of college football, specifically G5 football, but I watch every Ohio State game for my job. Um, I write, you know, three group of five football newsletters a week, uh, every week for the entire year. And so I, I just, I watch a lot of college football and can, uh, I, I would say pretty there, you know, when I see this list of, of receivers that we've got, I have, uh, I would say probably too strong of takes on just about all of them of them right it's it's uh to to the point where like maybe i shouldn't have opinions on like fourth tier mac (laughs) but here i am i've got opinions on them um but uh yeah no i'm not a huge i'm not a huge fantasy guy because i know that if i got into it i wouldn't ever be able to get out um and so i just (laughs) i just haven't done it that's the best man at my wedding uh he quit fantasy because it made him too mad he's like i can't do this yeah, that was how it was for me. Was I realized I wasn't really enjoying it, and I didn't like watching the games because it stressed me out. I, I played, mm-hmm. I played when I was a kid. I played when I was younger, but 
um as i got older i was like i this just makes me mad i'm not having fun doing yeah that. <laughs> well that's perfect because um these episodes we more talk about the players than any sort of fantasy implication because we kind of all acknowledge that their landing spot makes a big deal for fantasy so this is just sort of allowing our listeners to get kind of a primer on on the top guys in the class or the guys we think are the top guys so um you said you had some two strong takes on these guys. So um, what's your overall take on this class and how does it compare to the last two, which have been some pretty decent classes all, th- all considered? Well, I, I think specifically at, at receiver, it's very good, right? I, I, I don't know if it has that number one, like guy who stands out as, Oh, this, this is a, this is a surefire. You know, you, you cannot possibly, you can't, you can't miss on this guy. He was, there's, there's no Heisman winner here, right? There's no Devonte Smith where it's like, yeah, that dude won the Heisman. Um, there's a lot of, I think just really good receivers. There are, there are some that, you know, kind of, they, they, they have, I would say more questions in terms of their actual ability to produce, but they look really good. They, they look like great receivers, but you've got like, you know, 10 upwards of 10 guys who I feel pretty good about in this class. Um, and then beyond that, there, there are players who I, I don't see talked about a ton that I also think are very good, either super productive in college or really impressive, versatile athletes. I really, really like this receiver class. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I was going to talk about mine, but uh, my impressions, but it's Mike's turn. Mike, what are your impressions of this class? Yeah, I'm sort of in agreement with Patrick. There's nothing really out here that's a Justin Jefferson kind of guy, Jamar Chase. It's mm-hmm. much of a filler. Uh, so it's going to be sort of we're going to be drafting these guys uh, now and in the future as, you know, second, third wide receivers. Nothing that we're going to be really pushing the acceleration button for. Yeah, and Walker, what what are your thoughts on on this class, and especially compared to 2020 and 2021? Yeah, not as um, not quite as deep. Um, still pretty deep though, and not uh, not quite as good at the highest at the highest level. I mean, for example, like Garrett Wilson, I have as the number one receiver in the class, and my comparison to, for him is Jeremy Macklin, who, you know, Macklin was a really really good football player, but mm-hmm not the biggest guy, not really a true number one, more of like a one B. Yeah. Um, and, and I think production wise, you're going to get, you know, a lot of these guys are going to have like a T Higgins type ceiling where they can be like a back end wide receiver one in a good season and like a low end wide receiver two in like a fluky low touchdown season. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's a lot of guys who they all have like a major wart or a question mark. Whereas in the past we've had, you know, like, um, you know, going back to 2020, it was like I was in love with C.D. Lamb. I haven't fallen in yep. love with the receiver in this class. No, nope. um, same. same. And and at the top we have question marks of like, you know, there's a lot of different wide receiver ones. It's generally a top tier, but it's not like um, like Patrick said, where it's not like, uh, you know, there's not a, a Heisman winner and he doesn't even end up being the best wide receiver in the class. You know, it ended up being Jamar Chase last year. It's a lot of guys that I think in the NFL would be best served as being one of the better wide receiver twos on a team. Um, I hate the fr- I hate the word, but there's not a lot of quote unquote alphas in this class, sure. which which which, uh, uh, you know, dynasty or 
DFS bean counter now doesn't even call them that anymore. He calls them prototypes. So even that that term has gone away. So I think it's a strong class, but I also think it's not one where there's going to be like a slam dunk capper, you know, like A plus guy in this class. I, I think there's a lot of A minuses and B pluses, which, you know, it, from an NFL perspective, that's kind of what the NFL wants is to be able to add all of these guys that create a lot of depth, especially when you think about mm. now, like apparently wide receivers get $30 million a year now. Yeah. So, so you're looking to get cheaper guys on, on day two to kind of replace that production. So um, let's get into the guys. Uh, so um, our consensus wide receiver one was Garrett Wilson, but that's an Ohio state guy. So we're going to give that to Patrick, but we're not going to make him go first. So we're going to go with our consensus number two guy first, which is Traylon Burks, which is Mike, that was your guy. So Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. He is um, 6'2", 225 here, 4'5", So why don't you talk about uh, Traylon Burks? Yeah, as you mentioned, 6'2". Some have him listed as 6'3". The guy is just big. Uh, and he's fast. So prior to, to coming into Arkansas, he was a four-star recruit. And then did what a lot of a lot of players, um, regardless of the position, don't do uh, star as a true freshman. Um, he, and he led the team with 475 receiving yards. Uh, first team, all SEC. Uh, big, just big dude. A lot of a uh, lot of speed, uh, smooth, natural. Uh, puts the ball in his hands from a variety of uh, alignments. He can play the big slot, the X, which is probably mm-hmm. where he's going to be most beneficial the body control to mismatch cornerbacks. Uh, when he releases into the route, he has that forward lean that you look into uh, as wide receivers. Some just like stand straight up, but he has that natural forward lean. Um, and when he pushes, he threatens uh, to eat up a lot of space between him and the DB. He runs the routes with proper leverage uh, and can get into that second year, uh, second gear, excuse me, with acceleration, and he also played uh, outfield uh, in high school. So he knows how to track. Uh, he knows how to get to the ball. He, when he looks over either shoulder, he can see it. He knows where it's going to go, and he knows how to get there. Uh, one of the things that I really, truly like about him is he goes up and gets the ball. He is a 50-50 ball winner. And then some of the bad things, of course, um, he he didn't – when he tested at the combine, it didn't really translate very well. So we don't know. I mean, that was one of those things where could it be the combine and he's nervous, whatever. You know, I'm not going to put a lot of faith into it, but it was a little disappointing. Uh, and does he become – does he have that potential to become a high, high-volume three-level target? So – can he we know he can get to the third target very well, but mm-hmm. can, how is he in those first and second uh, middle tier targets? And he takes time getting into those breaks, uh, which is which is really interesting because someone for his speed, he shouldn't really have a problem. So maybe he's just mismanaging his feet. Maybe there's just not a lot of coordination when he's trying to make those breaks, but it takes him a bit to to make those in and out cuts. And his physicality uh, is also a problem. Um, he's not as he's not as physical as someone who, with his size and his weight, you would like him to be. He's not like I wouldn't give him a poor grade, but it's not great either. So if it's not great if, and it's not poor, then it's just average, and that's where I put him at. 
Yeah. Um, this is going to be kind of weird. Uh, you mentioned, Mike, the the first and second levels. Um, I kind of like him right off the line, but it's the intermediate routes that give him trouble. Like he can blast past a guy deep and he can, you know, get get we can win on the line of scrimmage. But it's sort of the intermediate, you know, your ins and outs that really give him trouble. And yep. um, so I, I kind of like him deep and short. And, um, you know, I I. <laughs> Traylon Burks was the guy that a lot of people were, you know, because Debo Samuel had a good year. So people were like, oh, this is Debo Samuel. No, he's not. He's he's not Debo Samuel. No, he's not. No. I saw a lot of people saying that. And it's no, he's he's not. Do you know who's Debo Samuel? There's one of them. And his name's Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, Patrick, you mentioned you have uh, some some strong thoughts on everybody. So what are your thoughts on Traylon Burks? Well, Traylon Burks, I actually I I I like his production. I like what he did at Arkansas. I I. I like pretty much everything about him except for the fact that he played in Kendall Browse's offense, and I just don't trust Kendall Browse's offense. I don't trust any of those offenses for producing like good receivers that I can trust going into the NFL. I in, until like unless they are transcending the offense, I just, I have a a uh, uh, you know applying to all do not trust uh, rule for those guys. It's the same with the Ole Miss guys. It's the same with UCF guys under Josh Heupel and, and now Tennessee guys. I see that, that offense, and I just I don't see receivers doing a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I think Traylon, Burke, Traylon Burks broke out of it a little bit because of what he was able to do down the field. But like you guys mentioned, he wasn't super physical despite how big he is and, and yeah. how he really probably should be physical. Mm-hmm. And so I see big production. I see him making plays, but I also see there's a lot of screens. There's a lot of slants. There's mm-hmm. a lot of... RPOs where he's not really having to get open. And so my issue with him is the same as my issue with a lot of guys from that kind of offense. It's not his fault, but it is still like, I got to see him work a route tree before I know that he can, yeah. you know, before I'm confident in his ability to do so. Cause I just haven't really seen him do it all that much. Yeah. So yeah, his, his route trees te- seems to be the problem is the consensus. Cause Limited, yeah. Yeah, he can he can do it short, he can do it deep, but it's everything in the middle that that causes him some trouble. Yeah, and the re- yeah, go ahead, oh, Walker. I was I was just gonna say, with with his skill set, his ceiling is AJ Brown, mm-hmm. you know, a, a guy who can just physically dominate and get yards after the catch and go up and get the ball in one on one situations, really good on screen passes. You know, even AJ Brown, I would say, would probably admit to you that he's not the most refined route runner in the world, that he's not the greatest in the intermediate portions of the field he's just so incredibly good close to the line of scrimmage and down the field that doesn't really matter that much um but if burks can't become that physical specimen in the pros that and and use his body correctly then he's going to get washed out of a lot of plays and he's going to turn into a sporadically productive kind of deep threat like a chase claypool i was just gonna i was just looking up to see how his height and weight compared to chase claypool yeah because they're probably very i think they're very physically similar so, yeah, I, I think that the Chase Claypool, which not through a lot of it, not his own fault, uh, you know, dealing with Big Ben being the deep threat for Ben Roethlisberger doesn't uh, make you exactly conducive to production. But, um, yeah, Patrick, I wanted to ask because you we we compiled our top fives and he's not in your top five. So I'm curious where about he actually lands for you because you're not very bullish on Traylon Burks. Yeah, it, it's not like far outside of the mm-hmm. uh, side of the top five it's not a distant you know he's, he's not near the outside of the top 10 or anything it's just that i i don't think of him on that same tier as you know guys like garrett wilson guys mm-hmm. who I, I would have further up on the list i think i do have 
if I'm remembering correctly, the list I sent to you, I think I have like Jahan Dotson in the top five ahead of him just because yes. I trust Jahan Dotson as an actual receiver with receiver skills more than I trust Trey Brooks at this point. And athletically, I've, Jahan Dotson is not he is not going to topple you know Trey Burks, but I have I I've seen a lot of guys who can flash athletically and who can who look really good on the field, look really impressive that don't really translate that and Traylon Burks not testing super well along with that kind of scares me off because at that at that point he's coming from an offense that I don't really trust he's he didn't really test on the way that I that I was expecting him to and then also he's you know a lot of that production is coming from that offense where at that point why not just take Jahan Dawson in my mind it's it's we know what he can do as a receiver I think more than we do with with Burks all right sounds fair so Walker, let's talk about the number three um, in this class. Uh, Drake London is our consensus number three between the four of us and then also Tony, who's doing the player profiles. Uh, 6'4", 219 um, out of USC. And um, it looks like uh, – oh, he didn't he didn't test. That's right. No, he's, he's recovering from an injury that he yeah, suffered in-season. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was panicking because I didn't have his 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 stats anywhere, and I I forgot about his. Yeah, he's recovering from his injury. Yeah, uh, I uh, I think I'm actually the lowest of any of us on London. I have him at four, um, and everybody else has him at two or three. But uh, I, I still like him as a football player. He's he he's very productive, uh, especially this past season. Um, huge target share and was efficient with it. So uh, and this is. Um, this is with Keaton Slovis at quarterback, who I, you know, Ryan's not on this podcast, so I can say Keaton Slovis sucks. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's not good. Um, his size and his ability to make the difficult catches are just top notch. I mean, he's a prototypical number one receiver looking guy. Um, and he make, he, he's, his only drops are concentration drops, which is easily fixable. We, we've seen that with Jamar Chase. Um, he can get yards after the catch and, uh, he runs a route better than just like a straight up deep threat. I wouldn't necessarily say either of those things are huge, like feathers in his cap, but they're certainly not things that are affecting him. He's, he's able to get yards after the catch, especially when he's able to build up speed. Um, and even in the intermediate game, he's a solid route runner. He's not special, but he gets the job done. Um, and then in terms of athleticism, he's, his height helps his, uh, will help his athleticism and can cover that up a little bit, but he's not an elite athlete. Um, he's not a bad athlete either. He, he's not slow or anything. Um, but he, he's of pretty average receiver speed. He doesn't change direction amazingly. He's fine at it. Um, He's pretty physical, so I think that's good. Um, he's learned how to be physical, which isn't surprising in US at USC. I mean, Michael Pittman learned how to be physical as a receiver. Amon Ross St. Brown learned how to be physical as a receiver there. So, um, yeah, overall, uh, that it grades out as a second-round player for me, which is a solid starter, wide receiver two type guy. Uh, in a lower-volume passing offense, could even be a wide receiver one. Um, ceiling is Mike Evans. I mean, if he, if mm-hmm. he's, uh, you know, he's that type of size, that type of like average to above average athlete, but, um, you know, he's got the potential to be able to be a, a superstar deep threat. 
Um, floor, unfortunately, is Nikhil Harry. We've seen this profile before, and uh, even with a Pac-12 receiver. And, you know, if he doesn't develop, if he goes somewhere that doesn't develop him correctly, he could completely wash out. Um, and, and that's why I have him just a little bit lower is because I think the floor is lower than a lot of the other top guys. Like with Traylon Burks, I feel like you'll at least be able to get him involved in the offense on occasion, even if he doesn't develop. Um, with Garrett Wilson, he doesn't need to develop quite as much. You know, Brian Hartline has done a lot of that development at OSU, and uh, he, he's close to a finished product. So, you know, he'll at least be able to put up wide receiver two numbers for you. Um, and then my midpoint and my actual comparison for London is Cortland Sutton, uh, type of guy who's not the most polished guy in the world, but can run a route well enough to get open. Mm-hmm. Uh, solid hands, uh, you know, wins the 50-50 ball, good enough athleticism to get by, and just is a is a guy who you would absolutely love to have as your wide receiver two, but probably you don't want him to be your wide receiver one. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's the perfect comparison with Cortland Sutton because we've seen him fall on his face as the wide receiver one already. You know, he was the wide receiver two to Emmanuel Sanders, and then Sanders was traded and everybody – was rubbing their hands together because he was so good as the two, but he kind of did not step up as the one. So yeah. I like that that comparison there. So, Mike, let's go to you now. Um, what do you think about uh, Drake London? What's your impression of Drake London, um, who you have as your number three wide receiver in this class? Yeah, so he's a former basketball player. Um, oh, played, man. Um, in both. So that's where his physicality comes into play. Also, you can imagine since he has that basketball background, he can go up and he can get it and use it as size. The so he's almost um, just uh, an opposite of Traylon Burks, uh, where Burks isn't physical, Drake London is, where Burks has that that very good straight line speed. London kind of suffers from it, um, he, you know. So. It's just one of those things where he can mismatch on corners because he's he, he could be fa- um, taller than they are or faster than they are, but he's not going to be that burner kind of guy. Uh, so I like him, but I, I want to see him. He, he I think his his star will shine if he's in a diverse offense that uses three, you know, four wide receivers like the, the like the Buccaneers. Like it, if he went there, that would be a great fit for him. Um, being the number one guy, I, I just don't see it. Yeah. And, um, you, you mentioned, I completely forgot, uh, a highlight of Drake London's that I watched a lot in the, the process getting ready for the, the draft and everything was him doing a 540 dunk in high school. So that is one and a half three sixties. <laughs> so Jeez. I'm <laughs> to, to talk about the athleticism and the size and, you know, the multi multi skills there. Um, and I'm putting that in the link to the podcast as well, because that's a lot of fun to watch. So, uh, Patrick, what are your thoughts on on Drake London, who you have um, as your uh, wide receiver two in this class, actually? So you're a little bit higher on him than Mike. Yeah. So what I what I like about Drake London largely is that it feels like he knows what he is. It feels like he knows his strengths and can play to them pretty well. Um, he is not, as, as you guys mentioned, overly fast. He has, I, I, I would say, very good uh, body control, especially in the air. I, I really like his body control. And I like how he 
was pretty comfortable playing it to his to his strengths playing to what he can do he didn't try to do too much i don't think um he was i, I think a capable route runner all over the field not amazing or anything but he knows that he's six foot four he knows that, it, that he's 220 pounds and he's not really afraid in the way that some other big receivers are to make that known when he's on the field he he was he was pretty willing to use it and and i think had a better understanding of what he could and couldn't get away with physically that a lot of receivers at his age just don't really have um i that's that's my that's my main appeal with london is that he i think he's smart i think that he's really smart with the way that he runs his routes and the way that he he carries himself on the field and i I think that it shows up in his production i think it shows up in what he was able to do in a, a shortened season at usc i mean when he was on the field he was the best receiver in the country and it was you know that offense is another one that's going to generate big numbers because they were essentially running the air raid at that point but he he was able to really excel without trying to you know change who he was as a player without trying to do things that didn't fit his his archetype um and i i like a guy who coming out of coming out of college you know he's he's not even 21 years old yet and he really seems to have a confidence in his ability and has a, a, a an understanding of what he can and can't do comfortably mm-hmm. um and so i i that's the that's the largest appeal to me with him is that i think that you're you're getting a not a finished product, but somebody who has an immediate thing that they can contribute on the field. Yeah, and that's I, I have to agree with that. He has a, a a savviness and a craftiness that you usually don't see from a wide receiver until they've, you know, they're 23, 24. They've had a little bit more experience. So I'm a big fan of London in the kind of um like not saying that he's Keenan Allen, but in that kind of mold where Whatever, whatever they want you to do, he'll do it. If you need him to, you know, be an underneath guy, he'll do it. If you need him to go over the top, he'll do it because he knows what he can and can't do. And the coaches won't have to coach that out of him. They'll know exactly, hey, Drake, we need you to, you know, do this today. And he will be able to do that. Um, I'm, again, I, I've, I've noticed that from a lot of the USC receivers mm-hmm. lately is that they all kind of have that attitude, that workmanlike way about them. And, uh, you know, because Pittman had that and St. Brown had that too, and, and both of them showed up immediately. So, I, uh, I think I don't know what you know what they're doing to to coach up the receivers out there, but they're doing a good job. Yeah, it's working. Um, yeah, I was I was rewatching some Amon Ross St. Brown uh, the other day, and yeah, I noticed that it was he had a lot of like Golden Tate to him, where it was like, what do you need? Just put yep. put me where you need me. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that professionalism, which will get him a long way. You know, you think about uh, guys that come out that I I hate to to bash on him, but like a Jalen Rager or a Nikhil Harry, it feels like they don't know what they're doing when they're on a football field. And I don't get that impression from watching Drake London at USC. So it's not like he's just a physical freak that just dominates people. And you're like, I don't know how this is going to translate to the next level with stronger faster defensive backs it, it feels very translatable um to the next level so I, i'm a big fan of drake london um in this class um so uh mike do you have anything to add about drake london did, did we already go to you yeah yeah we i we did with basketball skills and that's right i talked about yep. the dunk i i was i was too distracted by the dunk so all right patrick you you got the gist of how we do this so we're going to go to uh, the consensus wide receiver one, um, the wide receiver one for everybody on this podcast, except for Mike, who has him as wide receiver two, because he loves Traylon Debo Samuel Burks. Yes. 
Garrett Wilson, six foot one eighty-three out of Ohio State. Uh the the famously you love them. You're a huge fan of Ohio State. I think that's what you said earlier, Patrick. <laughs> so, it's like being back home, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Garrett Wilson. So Garrett Wilson, the the thing I think the background to know is that he was kind of so Ohio State a couple of years ago uh, made a change at wide receivers coach after the the previous one who was very bad was was fired for not even on the field reasons it was he was very bad and also fired for off the field reasons they bring in Brian Hartline this was Brian Hartline's first big get and Garrett Wilson was kind of preordained when they when they got him as oh this dude is going to be a superstar this guy is going to be you know he's he's so polished he played at Lake Travis really good you know high school football factory down in Texas. Um, five-star prospect. Everybody, as he's committing, as as he's coming in, is saying, this guy's going to be amazing. This guy's going to be really, really good. And he was. He was 100% everything that he was touted to be. He, he, from day one, was exactly the player that people thought he was going to be. He did exactly what people thought he was going to do. And I, I think he will continue to be that exact player. The uh, the upside with with Wilson is sort of like with London. It's his craftiness. It's his ability to uh, he looks like he knows how to play wide receiver. He he looks like Mm -hmm. he has been playing wide receiver for his entire life, like he was meant to play wide receiver. He sometimes the the you know he'll make catches a little bit harder than he needs to because i think it's fun for him but it's not like he he doesn't drop the ball because of that he just he'll do that but the way that he plays receiver is very smooth very fluid he sometimes can take an extra step or two which i it's i I don't know if they're gonna if anybody's gonna be able to get that out of him but it doesn't really hurt him he has enough speed that it doesn't really matter um but his route running his the way that he catches the football everything looks very natural looks like he has a very good understanding of it the issue is that he has been this player for about six years now and i don't think he's ever going to stop being this player i don't think he's ever going to be more or less than this player that's probably not going to be enough to be one of the best receivers in in the NFL. Be you know, like you guys said, a, a true wide receiver one. I don't think that he has that in him just because he would need to add probably a lot more ability after the catch that he just doesn't really he doesn't really have to to develop into that sort of guy. And I I don't see him doing that. He has this uh, not great habit when he catches the ball and starts to run with it where he I think he thinks he's a lot bigger than he is because he runs right into tacklers. Just he will go he will go out of his way to find a safety down the field. And I I don't I never really knew why he did that. Um, But he's a great route runner. Very good hands. Very soft hands. Um, He has been, I think, coached really well at Ohio State. It's just that he he is exactly who he looks like. He's he is that's that's him. His ceiling and floor I think are just about the same. And so I, I see him as sort of a plug and play guy who right away you're you're getting, you know, day one of camp you're getting coaches saying like this dude's way further along than rookie receivers are. And then five years later he's in the exact same spot. He's just he's the same player. And I think that that's probably a product of playing a lot of seven on seven and playing in, in Texas high school football where you'll get a lot of guys who are sort of maxed out and that's not the end of the world. It's not a bad thing, but I do think that that's the, that is both the strength and the limiting factor for Garrett Wilson is that, yeah, he's a really good route runner, really good hands. He's probably not ever going to be a whole lot more than that. Um, very good receiver, very instinctual receiver. I don't think you're going to draft for potential here necessarily. 
Yeah, I think Garrett, the, I, I think you put it well. The, the thing that I put down about Garrett Wilson, obviously other stuff is that he's very swaggy. And I think that speaks to his seven on seven. Um, like you mentioned, I think he's going to be the type of player that fans like more than coaches, whereas Drake London will be a player that coaches like more than fans, if that makes sense, where he's, he's flashy. Um, he's, you know, uh, let me see his actual combine measurements. He's uh, six foot 183, so little skinny for the position, but that's the new kind of build for a lot of these receivers coming out. It's a lot more smaller guys um, that you see, a lot more sub 190 pound guys. Um, so I think that you're right, Patrick. He he kind of is what he is, um, and he's gonna. I think he's gonna excite a lot of people off the bat, and then he's gonna kind of plateau out because you you mentioned he's been the same guy for six years so um i like him a lot but i i don't see a lot of projectability um upside here with him especially because he doesn't really have like a frame where he could add weight he just kind of he is a complete product as far as i'm concerned my dude is a fantasy wide receiver too forever yeah robert woods yeah i mean robert woods is a perfect um a perfect comparison there. So why don't you talk a little bit about him, Walker? Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I don't have much to add to what Patrick said because mm-hmm. I mean he he covered it very well. But he covers I, Ohio State or something. Yeah, he, yeah, it's <laughs> almost like it's his job. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I just I really like Wilson. Um, I, I think he's the red, the most ready to contribute right away. Um, I would guess that he'd have the best statistical season of any of the rookie receivers. He'll have the most consistent career. Um, his ceiling isn't as quite as high as Burks or maybe even London, but his floor is incredibly high. Yeah, I, I think that that's that's a good uh, good good take on on Garrett Wilson. Mike, what are your thoughts on 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 uh, Garrett Wilson? Well, there's no denying that he could be the best route runner in this when he's um, efficient. Uh, there's times when he's inefficient. That kind of bothers me. I don't know if it's just because he wants to take a playoff or or what the situation is, but I've seen some inefficiency with that. But overall, the dude is just a, a great route runner. His physicality is a big problem. Um, he might be less physical than than Garrett Wilson. Um, I'm sorry, not Garrett Wilson, but um, Traylon Burks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ball skills are are immense elusiveness is great i'm kind of worried that the one thing that i that really sticks out to me that i'm kind of worried about is how he's going to perform with press coverage and that that is the biggest question uh he struggled with it a little bit when he got it didn't get too much of press coverage but we'll see how he does and he 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 needs to work on that especially if he's not going to be physical you got to be physical when you're when you're up on that that press coverage cuz that's where all the hand fighting is and he's got to break free of that uh so he's either going to be just a Z receiver where he can get off the line and have room to run and make uh be be the great in and out option route kind of receiver that he can be or he's just going to be um just swallowed up at the press on, on the line of scrimmage. So I hope he can, he can um, do press coverage because we're, he's going to be very pigeonholed if he can't. Yeah. And I think that could be a, a big problem with him, which is, <clears throat> yeah, he, he could get lost if he gets bodied out. I think and, he, re- I think in that way, he reminds me a lot of Deontay Johnson mm-hmm. where 
he's a guy who, if he is schemed the ball by the offense, he can be really, really good. Um, but if he's kind of left to his own devices, he kind of fades away a little bit. Um, he, he needs to be the fo- a focal point of the whatever offense he's in, because then he'll produce very well. But he can't really be an ancillary piece of the offense as well um, because of that, you know, lack of physicality. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, we're all talking about this guy. It seems like we have trepidations about him, but he's the number one or two wide receiver for um, all of us. So that says a so. Yeah, that says a a lot about what you have to say about this class, because, you know, you go back to 2021, you know, there was guys that I was in love with. You go back to 2020, I mean, C.D. Lamb was 2019. I almost cried because I thought the Titans were going to ruin A.J. Brown. Like there were guys that I loved in those classes. And it's like this class doesn't really have that type of wide receiver. This guy doesn't really have that type of player. Like this class, this class doesn't have that type of player. Like yeah, there this, isn't there isn't a guy at any position that is that guy. Yeah, it's very much a you know we're we're running the risk of this being like the Luke Jokel class. Yeah, if, if 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 the guys don't develop, you know, and aren't developed, then yes, yeah, that that's yeah. that could be the worst case scenario. Yeah, we we run that risk. And the last time we had, you know, there are some mocks that since changed uh, wide receivers going above quarterbacks. And the last time that happened, it was EJ Manuel and Tavon Austin. So, I mean, th- that that screams grasping at straws because there's not guys that are slam dunk good bets to do things. So um, I'm just I'm just slow rolling it because that's all David Bell knows how to do. <laughs> that's oh, my guy. Six one two twelve out of Purdue ran a four six five forty. My guys. Doesn't got, matter. Yeah. My guys got a two seven two R.A.S. Doesn't and matter. Guess, Guess what? I don't care. Jarvis Landry had a .03 RAS. <laughs> God, that's so funny. <laughs> that is so funny. So, uh, you know, I'll, let me put it this way. Uh, people who just look at uh, the Combine have a very different idea of what David Bell can be compared to people who actually watched him play. Um, the first game that I watched of his was against Notre Dame, and for some reason, Purdue tried to use him like a burner. And I'm like that's not like the first game I watched of David Bell is like, this guy is terrible because they kept trying to send him deep. And that's not there. That's not his game. That wasn't smart of Purdue. And then as I kept watching him, I was like, Oh, he's, he is always open underneath. And when he's not, it doesn't matter. Cause he has great hands. He doesn't have good like yak, but that's again, not his game. I was, when I was reading up on this, I think uh, Lance Zierlein put it best where they said, um, He's like a pitcher who has a limited fastball, but a variety of pitches to get batters out. I think that's what he is. So David Bell is uh, Tim Wakefield ass wide receiver. He's not he's not very fast, but he's crafty and he can get open underneath. Um, he's not very sudden, not a really big downfield threat. He's more of a, like an intermediate shallow guy. Talking about all this, if you want a guy that he really reminds me of, it was Michael Gallup who both these guys, I look at them, I'm like, best case scenario, they're Anquan Bolden. Um, Because slow guys with vice grip hands who just really work underneath. um, Granted, Anquan Bolden, a lot beefier than than David Bell, but he could have that kind of career where he is 
just a helpful underneath guy. Like we talk about like a Kendrick Bourne. I think that's like a worst case scenario for David Bell, a guy that helps his team um, and, you know, plays 70% of snaps as a rotational wide receiver. I think that's the worst case scenario for David Bell. Um, If he gets in like a, like a run and shoot offense, I think that's going to be a problem. I think he needs a more methodical quarterback who, you know, go gets through his reads and is like, Oh, look, David Bell's open again. Oh, look, David Bell's open again. And that's why I said Jarvis Landry, you know, Jarvis Landry had a 0.03 RAS. He wasn't athletic. He ran a four, seven, seven And it doesn't matter because Jarvis Landry is always open. And that's kind of how David Bell works. Um, on the football field is the man's always open. He's going to be an underneath guy. You know, he's not going to, he's not going to have a lot of flashy plays where he gets like a, an Odell Beckham screen and takes it 75 yards right. to the house, or he's not going to go, um, you know, like a Kenny Galladay up and over 50, 50 ball type of guy. He is, he's a work, he's a workhorse. He's, he's the underneath guy. That's the release valve, you know? And, and um, because of that, I don't care how fast he is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. That's not the speed isn't part of his game. Yeah, I mean, I I'm the highest on Bell of anybody. Um, I have him as my wide receiver three. I I just love how he figures out a way to get the job done no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his game against Iowa really showed me something because he was matched up one on one against Matt Hankins all game, who was a good, really good press corner. Um. And he just burnt him all game. He, he just absolutely toasted him and, and turned him around and made him look like he wasn't the NFL player that he is because Bell was just too good for him. He he just – you want to talk about a guy who's got professionalism. This guy just knows how to get his job done. He He's very good at setting you up, and uh, he really thinks his way around the position. Um, yes, he's limited. He, he's not going to be a deep threat. Mm-hmm. But in the short to intermediate game, he's going to get constantly open. His ceiling is Anquan Bolden, and uh, my and you said his floor is Kendrick Bourne essentially. My my comparison for him is, and I don't know about his, this guy's athletic testing, but when I watched him play and what I when I've gone back and watched the highlights of him, um, he doesn't really win in any specific way. He's just always open. Was Keenan McCardo, um, just a really, really good wide receiver too for a long time. Man, I, I want to just sit down and just have Walker write down all of the comps for all the players. Cause it's always like, like everybody's like, Oh, he's Michael Thomas or he's this, that. And Walker's like, Oh, he's Keenan McCardle or, and on the run on the, uh, the random rookie episode, you're like, Oh, he's Eno Benjamin. It's just like, you pull out <laughs> these names that's, you know, from past and present that are just, you know, uh, not who is at top of mind for a lot of people. So, uh, Patrick, do you have a, a big, strong take about David Bell in, uh, in this class? Do you have him as your, oh, he's not on the, he's not ranked for you. So, um, let's talk about, uh, David Bell. I like David Bell. I did. I honestly, he wasn't in my top five because I forgot about him, which is oh. I think, very on brand for David Bell. Um, <laughs> oh, where it, it's, uh, oh, where did David Bell go? He's yeah. in the middle of the field and he has the ball. Um, that, that, was a, that was a common experience with David Bell is I don't know where he is, but he has the ball. Um, he I mean, I, I watched a decent chunk of, of, of Big Ten football of Purdue football this past season. And the uh, the I guess noun that comes to mind if I'm trying to find one for him is that he was a terrorist. Right. He was just really hard to 
he he was really hard to keep track of. Um, I, I I think that you guys hit on 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 what he, he is pretty well. Um, he feels to me like one of those guys who either lands on a good team and is is a super helpful wide receiver two, wide receiver three, um, whatever it might be. Just you know, consistently reliable to get first downs. Doesn't do a whole lot more than that. They're perfectly fine with it. Or he lands on a bad team and he has 150 receptions, uh, you know, a season. Right? He's he's going absolutely nuts on like, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Um, kind of like what Jarvis Landry did for for, for yeah, all like, of Miami yeah. for a lot of his career. Um, I think that I, I think either one is absolutely realistic. It's just going to depend on on you know where he lands. And so for the you know for the fantasy side of things probably rooting for him to land with like an okay quarterback in the middle of nowhere with a team that doesn't have any other receivers would be extremely beneficial for him. I think that he's the kind of guy that could handle that really well. Um, but he, yeah, I think that like, like Garrett Wilson, we kind of know what David Bell is and, and what he is is open. He's open. He's open every play. <laughs> he's a, he's a, so he's somewhere between a terrorist and Tim Wakefield, which is quite a range of outcomes. Yeah. <laughs> <for> <laughs> that's, the, that's the title of the episode, Somewhere Between a Terrorist and Tim Wakefield. <laughs> um, Mike, what are, you, what are your thoughts on David Bell, who you have uh, not in your top five either? Wow. No, no. I hate um, David Bell. Mike does not negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> I do not. Um, I just have a, I just have a hard time. I mean, he, he's just outside – my top five, so it's not like a tie, you know, wide receiver mm-hmm. ten to me. But mm-hmm. uh, there's just a couple things. I mean, when you don't have much speed and your route running is average, you, that's just a recipe of disaster in the NFL. Not saying he can't buck that trend, but yikes, uh, we we can go through the name after name after name to say, okay, very little speed, no route running. How, how's your career? Well, you're out of the league in probably year year and a half. Uh, I, I do like the comp with Anquan Bolden because when he does have the ball in his hand, he is hard to tackle. Um, he he just racks up the yards after that, and it's 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 not due to speed. It's just because he is tough uh, to bring down, and he that's the way he plays the game is mm-hmm. with great physicality. So I, I love that about him. Um, ball skills are really good too. So. If he can develop his route running, then I have a I, I would bump him into my top five. But until then, then he's just one of those guys that are going to need to be on an offense where they move him around quite a bit just to try to get that right matchup so that they can use him um, as quarterback can target him with the ball. But if if that isn't there, then this guy is just going to get lost in the fold. Yeah, and I forgot to mention that. Yeah, the the contact balance when he has the ball. It's like he's a running back. The way yeah. he takes a hit and just kind of shakes it off and, and keeps going. You know, you see these these uh, wide receivers who can't quite do that. Um, you know, he he doles out the punishment as good as he, as good as he uh, takes it. So, um, all right, you want to talk about a guy you do like, Mike? Yes. All right, let's talk about. Speaking of route running, Jamison Williams. Um, if you think of Jamison Williams, you just think of the one the one double move. That's like the Jamison Williams highlight. So. Uh, he is 6'1", one and a half, 179. He is dealing with an ACL tear. So that's unfortunate, but, um, you know, that's not the death knell. So, Mike, let's let's talk about uh, Jamison Williams. Well, he, he he's a track runner um, mm-hmm. as he was in high school as a hurdler. So that's one thing. Uh, so you could just see him hurdling over everybody. 
He won two straight, uh, two state track and field titles, setting the Missouri record in the 300 meter uh, hurdles. And then he did have uh, go from Ohio State to Alabama. Uh, a lot of people ask, okay, well, he did like zero at Ohio State, and it's like, okay, well, how did he go from doing almost absolutely nothing at Ohio State and then transfers to Alabama? And then becomes this super stud. And a lot of that, of course, has to do with his speed. He's probably the fastest um, in this class. And it's not just it's not just straight line speed. It's smoothness. It's mm-hmm. it's just the way he you, you, you get almost picture like a Ferrari just, you know, going from zero to 60. That that kind of linear, fast route running Um you 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 can't i mean if a db puts any cushion on it he's just gonna eat that all up uh home run hitter of course because mm-hmm. of that speed uh and you're gonna have to match him up you're going to he's gonna take the top off off the safety so the safeties are going to clear a lot of room for other receivers so if the ball's not going to him he could be a very good decoy in that in that way as well um he, he finds separation mostly just due to his um his vertical speed and uh he's he's long limbed and he's catch radius he uses that long limbs to um have an a, a great catch radius you can see him playing the x quite a bit uh so um he's not going to need the z to to have that runway he's he can just take off from the line of scrimmage jeff you mentioned you know the bad parts about him of course the acl tear Mm -hmm. in the national title game you know this wasn't week one so uh the national title game was in january so it was not too long ago and how is he going to come back from that uh the press again um he's he's struggles with that um so they might need to scheme him a little bit so he can use um his body more to get away from the press hand fighting so so that needs to get better uh he the the interesting thing to him when i'm watching especially when he's running like an in or out or needs to break that stem he he's always taking an extra step it's like okay you don't need to do that you're you got the speed just you use your ankles maybe it's maybe that's what it is he just doesn't have the strength in the ankles to make those immediate cuts so he takes that extra step to slow down uh, coaches maybe be able to coach that out of him that that could be something and then um he he gets sort of when there's a lot of people and defenders around him he sort of gets a a lack of uh, competitiveness uh and i don't know if that's just his, his body size or or what but he needs to get more physical when it comes to uh players around him so that that's something that that he really needs to work on is that physicality and uh routes um again i mean straight line speed is great but when you're looking at technical routes he he he'll fail to finish them um at times and that that can't happen of course especially in the pros the one good news about all the negative stuff um talking about the acl is that per the athletic uh the person who worked on um on williamson dr lyle kane said i don't expect it to affect his career uh, will look really good by the time they go to camp in July or August. So definitely check back in July or August to see how Williams is doing. But that's the the doctor's um, report on the situation. I mean, the 
as a joke, I don't think the doctor's going to be like, yeah, man, I really blew this ACL. <laughs> this guy sucks. <laughs> don't draft him. <laughs> this guy. Yeah. He's uh, like, this guy, not, ooh, man, not, I don't know. Not I my best my work. <laughs> I was I was hungover. Not my best work. Sorry. <laughs> really messed it up in there. I really blew up that knee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, nobody will beat uh, the Penny Hardaway wrong knee surgery. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Patrick, uh, Mike mentioned he left Ohio State. So you have a little bit of familiarity with uh, Jamison Williams. Uh, what went wrong there? Do you know? Is that was there a, a stylistic mismatch or? Well, I, I'm going to talk about this a little bit when when we get to Chris Olave, but I think that Jameson Williams sort of is a he was at Ohio State. He was a case of he was not a Brian Hartline recruit, and Brian Hartline only likes one kind of wide receiver, and Jameson Williams is not that kind of wide receiver, which is you know as mentioned, not a great route runner because he just doesn't really run routes, just sort of runs in a straight line and and <laughs> they'll do, they'll do the double move and that's about it. Yeah. And, Brian Hartline really doesn't seem to have a whole lot of room for that, and Ryan Day's offense doesn't have a whole lot of room for that. Um, so I, I think that the issue with Jamison Williams was that he just didn't make any sense in what Ohio State tries to do. Um, the deep threats that Ohio State does put into its offense are often required to do more than just be really fast. It's, it's In fact, usually they don't try to win with that just because that's not the way that the offense is designed it's it's not the kind of system where they're just going to sit back in the pocket for several seconds and let somebody run down the field they like to get the ball out a lot quicker than that um and so it he just didn't fit i I don't think that it meant he was a bad player he just didn't fit at ohio state and he was also granted he was behind chris olave and garrett wilson and those two command a lot of targets in a way that jameson williams was you know he was never the the first second you know the first or second guy open he was he was always if he was open he was the third guy open and the ball was already out of Justin Fields hand at that point um I, I my my worry with him at Alabama is that we're gonna get to diminishing returns here with that offense and its wide receivers because this feels like the uh sort of the test of just how far Alabama can take having fast receivers and that's their only trait <laughs> yeah. uh, I, like I wonder if this is the, um, you know, if he works, then yeah, you could just do that. You can just have really fast receivers and put them into the NFL out of Alabama and they're fine. Um, but he, to me, from from what I saw at Ohio State, from what I saw at Alabama, I think he's pretty much just really fast. And Alabama knows what to do with that a lot better than Ohio State did. But I I don't know how how confident I would be in that moving forward. He's, you know, he's got long arms. I like the long arms. I like the catch radius. I, I don't know how well he plays receiver i think he might just be really fast yeah i you know the i comped him you know and this was also land Airline put him as kind of a will fuller type but i think will fuller is more refined than that and will fuller isn't a particularly refined nfl player uh jameson williams is you know i say you think of that double move because that's the only play that stands out everything else is him running in a straight line you know that double move against georgia is, is like his signature play because there's nothing else there. Everything else is just him sprinting past defenses, which isn't bad. I, I'm not going to say that that's a bad thing. You know, um, I have the NFL.com player profiles up to get the official statistics, and it's been running a Jamison Williams highlight reel this whole time we've been watching, and it's just him chewing up the field. You know, there's they they try to play. Um, I can't figure out what school this is, but they're playing like a, a high and deep safety, and he just it's like the safety wasn't even there. He just runs right past him, but he's not refined he is just hey go deep run it run a nine and we'll we'll get you the ball deep so i think for him to be successful in the nfl i think he needs 
you know, a big armed quarterback with, uh, um, you know, other like he might even be the number three wide receiver where he's only tasked with with being that deep threat guy. Um, that might be the best, you know, bet for him to find the most success. So yeah, um, you, you reminded me of the old Pittsburgh, uh, the the guy that the Steelers always had, whether that was Santonio Holmes or Martavis um, Bryant or, or, or uh, Mike Wallace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where where they just had that number two receiver who could really go deep, you know, and and, and make a play down the field. Um, that that's the type of guy that he reminds me of, and I don't. That's not going to be a super consistent guy if you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective, but he'll be valuable to an NFL team. Yeah, sorry, my uh, my sound cut out there for a second. I was making oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, I was I was getting a weird noise. And I was trying to see if it was in my headphones or not. So, <laughs> sorry, um, Mike. What are your thoughts on on uh, on uh, Mr. Oh, we already you already talked about Jameson. Sorry, that noise really threw me off. Oh, sorry <laughs> so, about that. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was from my end or something. No, I think it was. I think it was in my computer. I have these uh, very cheap headphones that I, th- you know, sometimes they shock me. I think oh. I just need new headphones. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. So, all right. So, Patrick, you mentioned him. Let's talk about. Chris Olave, uh, the other uh, Ohio State guy coming out, six foot, one eighty-seven, um, you know, four three nine forty. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on him because it, to me, it feels like Garrett Wilson is the better player now, but a lot of people have faith that Olave can develop into something greater. Uh, I'm not super sure about that because Chris okay. Olave, kind of like Garrett Wilson was sort of the same player for the last three years of his time at Ohio State. And maybe that's a limitation with Brian Hartline, right? Maybe that's mm-hmm. a maybe that's a Brian Hartline thing. Maybe somebody in the NFL can can work more out of him. He does have good speed. He does have good athletic ability. Not amazing all around athlete, um, which is an Ohio State issue as much as it is yeah. a Chris Lave issue. Um but he, you know, he has good speed. I think it was sub four four. Um four, three, he played he, he plays like it. Uh, you you can see it pretty pretty apparently in the way that he that he runs, especially down the field. He was Ohio State's best deep deep route runner pretty easily, um, and also Ohio State's only deep route runner. So he's for like the last three years. Um, but the I, I I do wonder if he can be a whole lot more than that. I think he I think he could, but I again he's another guy whose frame is really sort of set at what it is. Um, Broke through as a as a freshman at the end of his season at the end of the season as this guy who could go down the field who could make plays um, by winning with 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 not so much physicality but winning again with craftiness down the field winning these one on one matchups and never really became a whole lot more than that never really developed an ability to run after catching the ball Ohio State did that in the um the first game of this past season against minnesota he had like 140 yards after the catch and then none for the rest of the season <laughs> it was like they, they just wanted to see if he could do it he could and then they stopped trying and like, uh, good good stuff all right yeah, back to right. back to the usual <laughs> That was fun. Um, but uh, they just stopped doing it. And so maybe he does have that in his arsenal and they just didn't. He wasn't asked to do it. I mean, he he almost never was used on on screens and didn't do a ton in the short the short range. Um, but he's a he's very, very good down the field, very good at, at creating space down the field. And uh, a trait that I, I don't think is talked about a ton just because of how hyper specific it is, but that I do like Um 
after the the 2019 playoff where he runs the wrong route in the end zone, Justin Fields throws an interception, game ends. Um, he it seems like spent the rest of his time at Ohio State learning exactly how to run with a quarterback, how to help a quarterback out of a bad situation, because pretty much any time C.J. Stroud or Justin Fields was on the move in the last two years. Um, and they just it didn't seem like they had a great option. Chris Olave caught the ball on the sideline every single time. Like he his his uh, his scramble drill ability is uncanny. Uh, it's really, really good. And I think that he's going to make a quarterback very happy with his ability to do that. I just I wonder, like with Garrett Wilson, how much further he can go, because Brian Hartline does a really good job of maximizing college receivers. But I I don't know that he leaves a whole lot of space for growth. The. The way that I have defined him in the last year or so, I like Chris Olave. I think he's a good player. The way I have defined him as sort of as what if Devin Smith was coached, right? It's it's uh, and that's a that's a that's a that's one of those deep polls because I don't I don't think people were thinking about Devin Smith a ton anymore. But Devin Smith was a very very good deep threat at Ohio State. Could not do anything else. Chris Olave feels like that if he learned how to run some routes, learned to scramble drill learned the proper way to play wide receiver but i i think athletically they're about the same and so i wonder if chris olave like garrett wilson is going to be a whole lot more than than what he is i i, I like wilson more as a receiver uh, mm-hmm. i like wilson more as a player but olave is not super far behind i just think they have sort of similar ceiling limitations okay yeah i i think and i i put out a, a semi-facetious tweet where i said garrett wilson and chris olave it was dr pepper and i think it was dr good guy it was it, fe- it feels <laughs> it feels like the worst thing that could have happened to Chris Olave from a an impression standpoint was being on the same field as Garrett Wilson and JSN because he's a good football player but a lot of the time he was the third best wide receiver on the field to me at least with, I, uh, I, I think all season he was the third best receiver yeah. Yeah, yes. Smith and Jigba is ridiculous. He's so good. I was trying to watch Chris Olave, and I was like, "What's going on over here? Like, I was like <laughs> what's, what's going on with this guy over here?" And it was every time it was JSN. So uh, that's a guy we'll worry about later. But um, yeah, I think Chris Olave, he's he's diet Garrett Wilson. Like, I, I'm not super excited about him. I think uh, did I even have him in my top five? He keeps bouncing in and out. No, he's not currently in the top five. I'm not, there's the dog. I'm not super enthused about Chris Olave. Um, he has trouble against some trouble against man. I think he's really good against zone. Um, I think he, if somebody could give him a better, like comeback, be like, Hey, uh, you should probably come back on this because what I saw from him is it looked so much like he was setting up comeback routes, like running into the chest of the, the defender, but then he just kept running. And I was like, just, those need to be comebacks because he had the guy on his back heel, but he just kept running into his chest. I think he'll be a good wide receiver two on a team. I don't think wide receiver one is really in his range of outcomes for a team. Um, but that having been said, I think he'll be a good player for a while. Um, you know, he'll be a guy who sticks around the league five, six, seven years. He's not going to be a guy who flames out. I'm just not super enthusiastic about his upside. And I'm glad you said that, Patrick, because I feel like I'm taking crazy pills when I go you know, on Twitter and people are talking about how good Chris Olave can be. And I'm like, he's, he is what he is. He's done. He's a finished product. And what he is, isn't as good as Garrett Wilson or JSN. And that's not to, you know, really knock him because Garrett Wilson's really good. JSN's really good. It's just Chris, he's, he was his third best wide receiver at his college. So what does that say about him in the, in the pros? Um, just not super bullish about that. Yeah. I, I, uh, 
the comparisons I came up with for him were Christian Kirk or um, with what Patrick was saying about how he, how he works back to the ball and makes those sideline catches. That reminds me of what Gabriel Davis does for Josh Allen, where when Allen rolls out, Davis is always the guy who's open on the mm-hmm. sideline. So, you know, I guess smaller version of Gabe Davis. So if on the low volume end or Christian Kirk on the higher volume end is probably the type of guy you're going to get out of Olave, which mm-hmm. is a fine wide receiver too for your yeah. football team. And then for fantasy is like a wide receiver three. Yeah. You mentioned, I forgot to mention the scramble drill. I mean, that that's not something that's easily measured or seen by, you know, what, what people look for, but you know, Jordy Nelson was a good wide receiver, a great wide receiver, but he made a whole career out of just having a mind meld with Aaron Rodgers. So yeah. that's the sort of thing that can help a player, a good player become a, a very productive player in the league, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, sh- Chicago figuring out a way to get him wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. So Mike, what are your thoughts on, on uh, Olave? Well, I mean, I, I think he's, uh, like you mentioned, Jeff, the, almost a finished um, product, but uh, great speed, great route running, um, catches almost everything thrown to him. But he is the type of guy that all you have to do is put your hands on and he's going to fall down. So um, I was looking looking some uh, statistical information up on, on that specifically and found that um, on his 176 receptions, he has 10, just 10 broken tackles. So um, he's he is he's that that guy where he catches and falls down, um, which is too bad because he has really good speed. So we'll see if he can break that trend, maybe gain some weight. Uh, I don't know, but that's definitely got to change. Okay, I'm I'm very glad that. It, I found like-minded people with Chris Olave. I see, I feel like I'm crazy on Twitter sometimes because people just, they, all they see is upside with him. And I'm like, I'm not the big, I'm not huge on Chris Olave. I mean, I think he might be barely in my top 10. He might be like eight. So not a huge Chris Olave guy. And I'm glad that it seems to be a consensus. So I feel less, less crazy. Well, the only thing that he can really improve on, because everything really is exceptional, I mean, great hands, great route running, great speed, um, is, like I said, the broken tackles. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's really the only growth he can get, and I don't know if that's even possible. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, there there's not much growth room at all, so I don't know what everybody's seeing. I like him a lot. I, I think he's in the top five, but uh, as far as, you know, someone that has this tremendous ceiling, no, I don't see it. Not quite. So, all right, Mike, let's talk about your next guy, Jahan Dotson out of Penn State, 5'11", 178, ran a 4'4", 3 um, at the Combine. So let's uh, let's hear what you have to say about Jahan Dotson. So here, here's another guy. Uh, he's He did three sports. He did, of course, football, basketball, and then also track and field. So that speaks on how you know, how much speed and athleticism he does have. Uh, when he does run, when he's route running, he's very smooth. Um, he does have those speed changes, which a lot of receivers just don't have. They don't have a second gear or even a third gear or can can shift down. I mean, he can do all those kind of things, which is very, very good. Um, and 
when he gets in the air, you can imagine someone who has track and field and basketball, he's going to be able to get up in the air and bring down the ball. Uh, I also like the fact that he's not just one positional use. I mean, he's someone that you can line up inside as well as outside. And a lot of receivers are maybe just outside only or inside only, but he can do both at a, at a very high level. Uh, I will, I think he needs to work on his uh, competitiveness. I, that's just average to me, uh, especially against physical coverage. He, he just is lacking that physicality. Uh, but if he can get over that, he can really start uh, dominating games. Uh, upper body strength needs needs a little bit uh, of work. Uh, also, he, he he can he'll he'll it's when he's working his body and his feet, they seem a little inconsistent. So he, he will get his body um, um, ahead of his feet and mm-hmm. that that's just going to uh, ruin in or out routes or hitches. And then he'll drift, uh, which is really interesting to watch. He, it, when he's, when he's breaking his routes, you'll see him sort of drift out into the DB. And when you, when you need to make a sharp cut you, on an in route, you can't be drifting out to the DB because that is just going to um, maximize any kind of separation whatsoever. And he's another guy that, just like Chris Olave, just you, you hit him and he'll go down. And again, uh, you're not going to get a lot of yards after the catch if you catch the ball and you just hit the ground right away. Right. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know what Penn State is doing running the ball as much as they do with as many t- tiny wide receivers pass blocking as they, or run blocking as they have. Yeah, uh, that their offense makes no sense. They should yeah. just be throwing to those guys. I mean, uh, Hamler, Dotson, and Perker Washington should have all had like 120 targets. Yeah, but instead they're you know they're they're running the ball with these guys getting blown up on blocks downfield. So, yeah. uh, Walker, what are what do, what do you think about Dotson? And then we'll go to you, Patrick. I like Dotson. Um, I've been kind of uh, beaten out of putting him in my top five by like everyone <laughs> on fantasy Twitter. Um, <laughs> But he's right there. I mean, I, I really like him. He's he's a guy who can play above the rim despite not having much size. Um, I, I I you know I, I like his competitiveness in that in that uh, in that way where in a 50-50 ball he tends to make it a 70-30 ball even yep. though he's not very big. Um, he reminds me a lot of Emmanuel Sanders, a guy who's really good at getting yeah. open. Uh, the intermediate stuff he's outstanding at and that with a good deep ball passer, he could become a really efficient deep receiver too. Like, uh, like Sanders was with, with Peyton Manning. Yeah, no, I, I see a lot of, of, uh, of Emmanuel Sanders and him. Patrick, what are your thoughts on, um, on Dotson? Well, I, I really like his, first of all, his hands. Uh, he was credited with two drops this past season and he saw a lot of targets. He's, he, he was catching the football a lot. Um, and he just doesn't, he just, they don't go through his hands very often. And that's mm-hmm. with a, a, I would say outright bad quarterback in Sean Clifford. He was able to be a, a very nice, easy to target, you know, always catching the ball, reliable guy for a bad quarterback. And that is, that's not the easiest thing in the world to do. And I think that there's something to be said for that. Um, in that same sort of, you know, vein, I, I think that he was really, really good at tracking balls down the field. He was very good at tracking deep balls from, again, a not very good quarterback, which is hard to do because those things would just go anywhere. And 
his ability to adjust on the fly and, and, and make things easier on the rest of his offense, make things easier on the quarterback, I think is one of his better traits. He was open consistently. He was able to win those one-on-one battles. But I think that, you know, last second or so before the ball gets there, the way that he's able to adjust his body is really impressive. The way that he's able to make plays that, Honestly, probably he shouldn't be able to make relative to his size, sort of like winning those those 50-50 balls, but also just creating opportunities for those balls in the first place. Um, that's what I really like about him. It's it's that he can it, – it doesn't ever really feel like he is out of the play. It doesn't feel like there's a, a situation where he cannot get to the football. Um, he was just really good at being in the right place at the right time, and, and once he was there, it was very rare to see him to see him drop it to not come up with the ball. Um Obviously, he's limited because of his height. He's limited just because of his athletic ability in general. But I think that he's he's a really good receiver. He's he's a very good pass catcher. Uh, doesn't not going to do a whole lot with the ball. But if you need somebody to go and get it, need somebody to get open, make a nice easy target for a for a quarterback, he's he's very reliable on that on that front. Yeah. So um, I have a question for you. This is the first time I really think we can get into this. Uh, is Jahan Dotson, is, is he a second tier wide receiver for you folks or a first tier wide receiver in yeah, his he's, draft? He's tier two for me. Tier two? Mike? I think I, I, I would put him, well, it depends on, on the tiers, but he's outside my top five. So I would say he's a tier three. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. I, I have him as a tier two cause I have a four player tier one. So I have Wilson, Burks, London, and Bell all is actually no, I'm gonna drop Bell to tier two because the speed. It, <laughs> I don't care, but it's still a thing. Um, and Patrick, where do where does he tear out for you? Is he tier one? Because you have him at three. So is he with London and Wilson, or is he with Sky Moore and Chris Olave? No, I think tier, I think tier two is is about right for me. I, I have um, I have London and Wilson sort of in a in a, a group of their own and then there's a pretty significant tier two and then a, a pretty significant tier three as well yeah it's 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 a nice class so saying that somebody's tier two or tier three in this class is not um you know yeah. a death a death knell on them so um all right so i mentioned him and uh he is uh patrick's wide receiver four <laughs> he's the uh, patrick's the only one of us that has him in his top four and it's sky Moore. uh sky Moore is western michigan 510 195 so of course Western Michigan, I gave it to Walker, our Michigan, our Michigan kid. Uh, so let's hear about Sky Moore. Yeah, uh, Moore is a very fun player to watch. Um, he and Caleb Ellaby had a really nice connection this season for Michigan State or Michigan State for Western Michigan, and uh, it was very frustrating to watch uh, Tim Lester refuse to allow them to do that more. Um, this was a very poorly coached football team, and Ellaby and Moore managed to stand out despite that. Uh, Moore, Moore's just – he's one of these guys that, that's electric. I mean, he, he's got that it factor about him. Um, his athleticism is very high. Uh, I believe he had an eight-something RAS despite being tiny. Um, his hands are also very good. Um in three years of significant play at Western, I think he had seven drops in his career. Uh, and, for example, Drake London had eight drops in his sophomore season. And, hand, and hands aren't a problem for him either. So Moore can really grab it in, in his hands. Um, 
terms of route running, I I have that as like a middle trait for him. I I don't think his I don't think his route running is is by any means bad, but in an RPO heavy scheme, he I don't think he's had to develop a full route tree yet. And so I have that just listed as average. His yards after catchability, uh, it it certainly showed itself at times. Um, it's just I don't know how well that translates from playing against MAC defenses to playing against NFL defenses. So I have that as an average trait as well. And then uh, his one con is that he's small. He, he's he's a guy who's not really going to hold up super well against press coverage in the NFL. I would expect. Um, but the good thing with that is he does go down the field well. If he if you can't get your hands on him because of his speed and his agility, he can run past you and be a good deep threat, despite the fact that he doesn't have big size. Um, that's why, for me, his ceiling is Tyler Lockett. Um, Lockett is the preeminent small deep threat in the NFL, and Moore has that type of skill set where if he's on the right team with the right quarterback, he can become that type of player. Um, his floor is Kali Raymond. Uh, Raymond had his best season of his career this past year with the Lions, and he finished his wide receiver 53. That's about what you're going to get if Moore doesn't develop. He'll be better than your like Andy Isabella, Jalen Darden types that never get on the field, but not good enough to be a regular contributor for a fantasy team, more of just a guy who takes the top off the defense. Yeah, J- Jalen Darden, who gets targets behind Cyril Grayson, who's not a person. But not a real person. Not uh, a real. You know what I found out today? Cyril Grayson did not play college football. That's why he's not a real person. <laughs> yeah, didn't play college football at all. Um, my midpoint uh, comp for Moore is Sterling Shepard, uh, a guy who's exciting with the ball, can get open underneath, um, can go down the field and make plays, good speed, good agility, not a very big guy. And um, just, the, you know, the type of guy who, if he can hold up, can be a really, a really valuable piece of the team, but is never going to be a guy who's going to be a massive fantasy contributor, mm-hmm. um, despite the fact that he's a good football player. Yeah. So, um, Patrick, what are your thoughts on Sky Moore? Because you're the only guy with him in the top five here, even top four. To, yeah. To, since he's your number four. So uh, you seem to be more bullish on Sky Moore than the, the three of us. So make your case for Sky Moore. Well, I, I, I'm glad that uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that, that I'm not the one to bring up the Tim Lester offense, but I'm going to bring up the Tim Lester offense here as well. Uh, that guy sucks. That guy is a terrible, <laughs> terrible football coach. Awful. Um, they had Western Michigan just had one of the best quarterbacks in program history. Huge arm. Can't do a whole lot else. Huge arm. And they had him throw like. 80% RPOs. It was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's, it's the same reason that I have, like, back when I was putting together, you know, I, I, once a week I'd do, like, the Browns mock draft on one of the mock draft websites just because I'm a Browns fan. And so it's, mm-hmm. you know, every fifth round, fifth round comes around, I'm taking Caleb Ellaby. I'm taking Caleb Ellaby every <laughs> time. And my uh, Sky Moore, I think, is similarly, you don't get to see what he can really do this past season because of that offense. But even within the offense, 
there's a there, there the thing that I like most about Sky Moore, and this is something that we we talk about somewhat t- tongue in cheek, but it is also a thing that we kind of believe in on on flipping the field. Um, Sky Moore has that dog in him, right? He he has he has that sort of that sort of competitive nature where this is a five foot ten sub two hundred pound wide receiver who is winning contested targets mm-hmm. constantly. He is constantly beating defenders. At the point of of the catch, he he's you know through contact he's making catches. Um, he's just mean, just a mean <laughs> wide receiver. Just doesn't look like he's fun to tackle. Doesn't look like he's fun to to cover. Um, th- th- it's the kind of guy who, you know, uh, not going to be a huge yards after catch guy. Not going to be a, a super flashy player. Not going to be somebody who is you know like we like was like like Walker said probably not a superstar or anything like that but just a guy who you like to have on your team if you are in or if you're an NFL team right a guy who you like to have as a quarterback a guy who can get productive yards who can grind out these these you know harder catches against really good quarterbacks where it's just you know you're you're looking at stat lines and you're seeing that Sky Moore against one of the better quarterbacks in the league whoever it might be had you know 11 receptions for 97 yards you're like well how did he get 11 receptions and well he was catching it through the guy you know it, yeah. it's it's that kind of thing and so i i think that his his production ceiling is probably limited i don't know how good of a fit he would be for a fantasy pick but as a as a football player absolutely i i i think he's very good i think that he is just a he is a guy who if I'm taking, if I'm putting together a football team, I would want him on on my, you know, on my bunch at wide receiver. I think he's just, he's, he's, uh, I, I, he does not look like he's fun to handle as a defender, and I, I like that as a trade and a receiver. Yeah, there's there's a class of guys that we talk about on the podcast. You know, we're ostensibly a fantasy podcast, but we're like, we want to be clear, he's not a bad football player. He's just bad for fantasy. You know, um, so I think Sky Moore does nestle in nicely there, and and I. He plays a lot bigger than his size. Unfortunately, his size is a problem. Um, so he, um, you know, if he was 6'1", 210, like, he would be a monster. If he was six one two ten, he would be drafted, like, fifth overall like Corey Davis was. Yeah, if he, yeah, he would be a monster. The problem is, is he's not that. He's, you know, he's, right. his size is is causing him trouble for being the ultimate NFL player that I think he could be if he was just a little bit bigger. So um, I think, I think you put it uh, perfectly on Sky Moore there. Um, I just, he's, he's a better real life player than he'll be a fantasy player is, is, is what it comes down to. Mike, what are your thoughts on Sky Moore? He's one of those guys that I always love to watch. Uh, he just, uh, one of the, as you guys mentioned his size, but I, you know, I, I don't care when it comes to Sky Moore, the dude just goes after aggressive, uh, mm-hmm. And those are the kind of things that excite me. You, you, you put you put someone who's small, but you put a gigantic heart in in these players, and then that's what Sky Moore is. is someone who's just you know gritty and just going to do what it takes, regardless of how tall he yeah. is or how fast he is. He's just going to do it, and that's what excites me. That's what gets me going about the passion of football. So uh, how can you then, not be romantic about football? Oh, football. Yeah, exactly. that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, and and, when, and then when you throw in his elusiveness, the guy, you can't catch this guy. You can't tackle this guy. He just like poof, disappears somehow and, and nobody can find him. So uh, 100% one of my, I'm going to follow this guy regardless of where he goes. Cause I'm just, when, when, whatever team he falls on, and that team is on TV. I'm just gonna go click. Okay, let's let's watch some Sky Moore today. 
I yeah, think, he's I, he's fun. I think that a big part of that is a guy that he really reminds me of is T.Y. Hilton, and and I think that is part of the reason oh, why why like Mike that. loves yeah. that guy because uh, now we're plays, talking. Yeah, because he plays a lot like Hilton did. Because Hilton truly did have that dog in him, and yeah. still does. I mean, he's not even that athletic anymore. The dog's about to be put down. Let's be. Yeah, honest. but he's still clawing for for contested catches. Uh, that dude rules. So. Yeah. Yeah, Sky Moore rules. I don't know how great of a fantasy receiver he's ever going to be, but he's cool, and you should like him. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is cool, and I think we all like him. So um, I'm going to bring it home with our last uh, guy before we get to our Trey Regis memorial picks. Um, it's George Pickens, um, because I think I was the only one who had him in the yes. top five. And yes, I don't know. I'm going to be really honest with you. I don't know why I did that. Because I looked at my notes again. I'm like, why is why is George Pickens in my top five? Uh, he's fun to watch. He gets a lot. Of, oh, 6'3", 195. And if you add his RAS to David Bell's RAS, you get about an average RAS. Because <laughs> he's got a 9.33 RAS. 6'3", uh, 195. Plays exactly that skinny. Uh, dude gets pushed off of routes all the time. He gets bullied constantly. I think I fell in love with him for the same reason that I fell in love with Mike Williams, which is he goes all out to get 50-50 balls. He puts his body secondary uh, when it comes to getting 50-50 balls, and that's kind of how they used him um, at uh, so Jordan. Jeff, why was that? Why was I blanking there? So, Jeff, that's- what you're saying is that George Pickens is going to get 1,010. That was going to be my joke. <laughs> I was going to say within the next four years, he's going to get a thousand instead. You ruined my joke. Woo. No, I, I'm not entirely sure why I have George Pickens in my top five, if we're being honest. I think that was a, an oversight on my end. Um, he's good, not great. Um, you know, I I think it's, you know, there's, there's even an issue with his ACL tear, which he came back from. It shouldn't be that big of an issue, but... I'm going to be honest. I don't know why I put him here. He's just Mike Williams. He's just skinny Mike Williams. That's all he is. And I think because I love Mike Williams, that's why he's in my top five. So uh, 1,010 uh, to right. get the joke that Walker stole right. from me. 1,010 yep. from George Pickens. Because he's not, he's, he shouldn't be in my top five. If I'm being brutally honest, he should not be in my top five. <laughs> Mike, what do you think about George Pickens? <laughs> I don't know what I did. <laughs> I, I yeah he's not in my top five obviously but Jahan Dotson there because he's my six. Okay, Jahan Dotson is now in Jeff's top five. Yes, I'm flipping it right now. <laughs> I, I think he's in the third tier with me with Jahan Dotson kind of guy. Um, yeah, he's not he, which is kind of sad because when he was a freshman, everybody was just enamored with George Pickens. He was going to be that number one wide receiver that everybody, I mean, he was talking about Mike Williams. He was going to be, what was it? Mike Williams was the fifth pick of the draft, seventh pick mm-hmm. of the draft, whatever that that's what people thought of George Pickens was that he was going to be that guy and it just never maturated. So he never, yeah. what maturated, maturated, <laughs> maturated, <laughs> whatever matured, matured. Oh, like, um, about berries. Jeez. Maturation. Um, maceration. <laughs> Master, <laughs> masturbation. Oh, no. Um We're not going there. <laughs> um but yeah, anyway, so um yeah, it just never came to be. So um yeah. I, I think the reason for that is he never grew into his frame. Six three one ninety five, Mike Williams is six four two twenty. Right. Like, that's it. There's he never it. he never grew into his frame. Um 
yeah, he has a great, like, he has good ball skills, um, contortion. He's a 50-50 specialist, good catch radius, but he gets bullied. That's what it comes down to. He's too skinny. He's got to hit a weight room. He's got to do the uh, AJ Jenkins special. He's got to bulk up for a year and then bust out of the league. Um, but he just, he never grew into his frame. He never reached his apex because, you know. What, what did he, what did he measure? What was his weight when he, um, at, or did he even do the combine because of he's, his injury? He's listed at 6'3", 195. He did the combine. He was a 4'4", 740. Um, but I think people are doing that to, and, and saying, oh, but he's hurt. He's not hurt. He tore his ACL. Uh, he he played games. Oh, that's right. He came back last year. He yeah, he, he came back he, last year. So it's yeah, like that's right. I forgot about another that. year removed. Sure, he'll be faster, but um, I don't think he's going to get appreciably faster than the four four seven. Right. It, it, his yeah uh, yeah that's yeah that's not good. Um, no. But he is physical. He'll definitely go after the ball. But uh, speed and route running is average to below. He's Mike Williams. All right, uh, Patrick, what do you think about Pickens? Yeah, I, I think that this is sort of the anti-Garrett Wilson, the anti-even, you know, like a Traylon Brooks, where we have, he he is coming from a place where he is not at all maximized. He's nothing. He's he's very <laughs> tall, and that's, you know, he's physical, and that's pretty much all we know about him. Um, so he has that going for him where, yeah, he could add more weight to that frame. He could become this this nightmare to deal with because he's big and because he already has that instinct to go after the ball with reckless abandon mm-hmm. um so he has that that in, in so far as he's the anti wilson he's the anti burks because his offense was horrible his offense was really not well designed at all for wide receivers it wasn't even designed to have wide receivers in it they don't want wide receivers <laughs> and so that he was able to catch the football at all in 2020 when he when he did play most of the season uh, is, a, I guess, a testament to his ability to to make plays. But it, it's sort of with, uh, you know, with, with the RPO guys where they get a ding from me, I don't know that I'd give him a plus for playing in a bad offense, for playing in a, an offense that doesn't know how to throw the football down the field. But it does make it a little bit harder for me to to project. And it, it does give me a little bit more space to think like, yeah, he could develop into to something more down the road because I would like to see him running routes that were designed in, you know, not 1994. Right. It, it's it's. <laughs> That's my that's my or, uh, yeah or scratched in the dirt. All right, you're going. Yeah. Deep. <laughs> yeah, like if this guy is not near Kirby Smart, he might immediately get better as a wide receiver because he's not near Kirby Smart. It's it's just not that you know it, it's it is not a great place to grow as a wide receiver. I say this about the national champions, but it's still that offense was not good. I don't think we need to lie. <laughs> you know, no. like, uh, they don't have routes. They just <laughs> they don't design the offense. It's it's they run the ball at the middle. Um, and so I think that that's the the best thing that I can say to him is. Is that he is just a big piece of clay right now, and he could be anything. It could be, you know, yeah, he's six foot three and and you know sub four five. It's not amazing, but physical. He's he's willing. He was a five star coming out of high school. He could be anything, but that's about it. That's the nicest thing I can say about him. Yeah, I do like that you say he's he's the anti um, Alave and Garrett Wilson in that he is very projectable. Like you're like just put some weight on, man, and see what yeah. you can be. But he's yeah, he's he's not fully actualized or wasn't fully actualized, but not no longer in my top five. It's I don't know what I was doing. He needs to gain weight and then he'll be in my top five. So um, speaking of players that should not have been in top fives, let's talk about the Trey Regis Memorial players. So 
uh, Patrick, what this is, is uh, one of our, our co-hosts, one of the co-owners of the site, um, Evan Hoovler, last year had Trey Regis in his top 10. And we all went, what the hell are you doing putting Trey Regis in your top 10 running backs? And he said, I don't know. He's fun. He's fun to watch play. So <laughs> He isn't boring. <laughs> he isn't boring. So that's why we have our Trey Regis memorial pick for each position, which is a player that isn't necessarily good, but it's a player that, for whatever reason, we've 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 gone to him. So um, I'll actually kick it off. And uh, with Corey Sutton, uh, can I offer you uh, equal parts Corey Davis and Cortland Sutton? Because that's Corey Sutton's name, but that's not who he is as a player. Um, 6'3", 205, App State. Not really a guy that we've heard a lot from because he uh, tore his ACL at the beginning of 2019, opted out of 2020. Um, but he's, I think I just like his story because he came back. He runs a, a, a four set, four five seven, not the greatest 40, but he's a good blocker. He's a good route runner. He has good hands. He's just slow as all get out. Um, he he has a lot of highlight reel plays. He plays faster than than his measurements allow. He's a physical guy, but here's the problem. He's already 25 years old. Yep. Um, yeah, he's already he is what he is, you know, opting out of 19 or opting out of 20 and missing 19 will do that to you. Like I said, this is my Trey Regis memorial pick. I don't think he's going to be great. I loved watching his, you know, his 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 plays on YouTube. I loved watching his cut up. I love, you know, a story coming back from 19 and 20 missing it. And um yeah, he's not very good, and he's kind of weak against defenders, especially considering his size. Um, but, you know, he, he kind of plays almost like a poor man's Nico Collins um, in the end. So uh, not very good, uh, but that's why he's my Trey Regis memorial pick for this one. So uh, who's got Valus Jones? Who has that? Walker, let's talk about Valus Jones. All right. Uh, my guy is just super fun. He's the bowling ball out there. He's... Like I think you said uh, right at the start of recording, he's built like James Washington. Yeah. <laughs> um, short and wide for a receiver for some he, reason. He's a fire hydrant. Yeah, know? basically. Um, he's really fast, uh, really athletic in general. His yards after the catch ability is quite good. Um, problem is he doesn't really do anything else. Um, he's also old. He's gonna. He's 24. Um, <laughs> But uh, he he's got I, his size is fine. It's not anything special, but it's not like gonna kill him or anything. Uh, he hands are nothing to write home about. Cannot run routes at all. Um, he's just a he's just a screen pass guy. He's what Lavisca Chenault is, not I, what people want him to be. No, oh, is <laughs> a, a wide receiver four that can do things with the ball in his hands, but not really yeah. anything else. Um, yeah. It, if he got a little bit of development and could run like one route and then go down the field, he could be as a ceiling Tim Patrick and become like a solid wide receiver three. If somebody can teach him how to like run down the field and stop, uh, you know, that type of guy or, uh, I had another guy, but I can't think of it. Um, his floor is a guy that Mike's familiar with Ashton Doolin. Um, oh yeah just a dude who runs down the field and catches like eight passes a season um, and just isn't really a value add. Um, But my comp for him is Andre Roberts, because the thing I think that Phelous Jones is going to be good at in the NFL is returning kicks and punts. Um, He gets his butt up the field. He's tough to bring down on first contact. He's got breakaway speed. 
uh, I, I really like him to be a productive return man in the NFL. Yeah, I'll admit I didn't know who he was till he ran a four three one at the combine, or that's his official score. I think it was four three two was the initial. Um, but his his comp on there is Devin Duvernay, which is he's a not a very good wide receiver, but a very good returner. So mm-hmm. I think that works out well. Um, Mike, who is your? Uh, we have some real like we didn't do the name draft this year, but we have some real name draft guys in this uh, in our Trey Regos Memorial picks. Charleston yeah. Rambo. Yeah. Um, uh, so my, what I wanted to do and, you know, most of these guys on here is our Trey Regas from moral are definitely UDFA. I think mm-hmm. Rambo is more of a round four, maybe Ooh. definitely round five to seven kind of guy. So he's, he's not, he'll get drafted, but he's not a, so he's not a UDFA, uh, I was a four-star pro- uh, prospect at one time, um, and then it just never worked out for him. But the the one thing that stands about him, the one reason why I picked him, is is that he is probably the best blocker in this class. Um, yes. Sets up well, uses his base well, uses his arms well, goes after the point of attack. It, it, I'm I'm surprised that he was not um, uh, offensive lineman, and he probably would be if he was, you know, another 50 or 60 pounds heavier. So he, he does that uh, probably better than anybody in this class. Uh, as far as skills, you know, he, he will square his body to the quarterback to give the quarterback uh, a big frame to throw to. Um, aggressive hands, uh, route, route turns and breaks are very sharp. And, um, of course, with being such a great blocker, he's very competitive after the catch as well. I would just like to point out, you said he'd be a good uh, – he's like – he weighs like 150 pounds less than Aaron Banks, <laughs> which Aaron Banks is a big boy. But it's just very funny that he loves to block and he's such a little guy, you know. Little guy, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, 177. Yep, and yeah. he does it well. He does it really well. All uh, right. I'm, I'm surprised he doesn't get blown off the point of attack, but you know, it, it shows you that it's about technique and it's yeah. more than it is about strength or, um, you know, size. Yeah. Uh, to, to quote uh, a shirt, you know, from, from boardwalks everywhere, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight, the dog. Yep. <laughs> All right, Patrick, let's take it home with Khalil Pimpleton, another all name teamer. Yes. Um, so Khalil <laughs> Templeton out of Central Michigan is a guy who sort of sort of like the other picks. I just I like uh, the way that he plays football. Right. I, I think that it's fun. I, I think that yeah. he is he's a very unique and weird and not very good football player. He's five foot eight, 172 pounds, cannot catch the football to save his life. <laughs> <laughs> not throw this guy the football. If, if it's between the line of scrimmage and 20 yards down the field, he should not be there. That is the wrong place for him to be running around. He can do two things. He can catch screens. I guess three things. He can catch screens. He can run on, on jet sweeps and he can go down the field. That's it. He, I, I don't think he should run slants or curls or any routes. He just needs to go straight. Um, I don't even know if he's that fast, but <laughs> it's impossible to tackle or cover when he does that. And I don't I don't know why it is. He just is. And he was open down the field constantly this last season. Um, 
if he's going to catch the ball is a different question, but he can get there. And that's, that's step one. The other thing here, I'm, I'm sort of, I don't know if I would say that I'm a scheme guy. I like scheme a lot. I think about scheme a lot. And this past season, these past few seasons, the NFL has, has from as far as I've seen, really started to like uh, jet sweeps and wide receivers who can do jet sweeps and pop mm-hmm. passes and screens. It has really developed an affinity for like 2011 college football scheme, which I like because that's, you know, I, I'm I'm well versed in that. But I've yet to see one of them, one of one of these NFL teams really discover like the joys of having Percy Harvin. The joys of having yeah. just a just a little guy who's really hard to tackle and ta- doesn't do a whole lot else, but he's fast and he's slippery and he's just that's all he does. He just takes jet sweeps. And I think that Khalil Pimpleton is is sort of the he's my pick for the guy who, uh, you know, you're 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 looking at and it's like he's not good. He's not really good at what he's doing, but he's on a team. And you know that when that team is coming up, that he's, he's going to run for like a hundred yards on five touches. And you don't know how he's going to do it. You don't know where the hundred yards are going to come from, but some team, some, some enterprising, you know, coach is going to discover this guy's really fast and really hard to tackle. Can't catch the ball, but I don't need to get him to catch the ball. I can just hand it to him on a sweep and he's going to go for 50 yards. And so that's my, my bet is that Khalil Pimpleton, if he can do anything, it's 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 that he can just make guys miss and that he can be the 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 introduction of short guys taking the jet sweeps, which the NFL has seemingly kind of skipped a step. It, it's gone straight to putting the ball in in H-backs hands and it did not get slot guys on those on those sweeps. And so I want to see Khalil Pimpleton bring that into the league. I think that that is a, a thing that he's very good at. He did it a ton at Central Michigan. And so deep threat Khalil Pimpleton with the constant you know you have to worry about him on jet sweeps you can move him from one side of the formation to the other and you don't know if he's going over there to run 40 yards down the field or if he's going over there because he's going to take the ball when it's snapped um either way i love him i don't think he's a very good football player as a <laughs> as a wide receiver i just i think he's a a fun guy to watch and i think that he um i, I think that he is is unique and difficult to deal with because of the two things that he's really good at yeah, that I think that perfectly embodies the uh, Trey Regis memorial pick, which is like, look, I'm going to be honest. This guy is not good, but <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, I love that all four of us have that caveat. We're like, look, this guy is not good, but so uh, I think you nailed it on on that on that pick, Patrick. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I think that that's all we've got to say. So uh, why don't you give the people your plugs again? And again, I'll put links to all this stuff in the uh, in the podcast description when this goes up. Sure. Yeah, I'm at uh, I'm I'm on Twitter at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Uh, I my my day job is the Buckeye Sports Bulletin, which is an independent Ohio State newspaper, as I mentioned. I don't imagine that a ton of people are gonna have interest in that, but that is what I do. Um, more important, I'm the creator of the Outside Zone, which is the Outside Zone on Substack, just a group of five football newsletter thrice weekly, $5 a month for the uh, the premium dispatches, which are Monday and Friday. The Wednesday one is free. I'm currently doing my, my off-season G5 preview series, which is where I go through and preview every team in the group of five. Um, it's, I, I think for, for, for draft people listening, if you're a fantasy person, it is helpful because you'll get to know who some of these players are ahead of time. You'll be you'll be privy to people like, you know, a Corey Sutton who, who was good back in like 2019 or (laughs) and then disappeared for two years or, or a Khalil Pimpleton or people like that. Um, 
I also co-host Flipping the Field, which is a national college football podcast, um, which you can find on Twitter at Field Flipping and on podcasting apps at Flipping the Field. Um, I I believe that's all I have to plug. Thanks again, guys, for for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for thank you, Pat. Yeah, thanks uh, for being on. Um, uh, I want to say again, uh, we'll be back next week in the Patreon feed, three bucks, patreon.com slash football absurdity. But more importantly, uh, check out the Twitch. That's going to be the Tuesday of the NFL draft. So it's that Tuesday, April 26th. We're all going to laugh at Mike while he panics and, <sighs> and, and drafts Bayless Jones. <laughs> Bayless Jones to the Eagles in the first draft. That Mike's going <laughs> to panic. So, uh, yeah, thanks for, lis- <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back uh, next week uh, to talk tight ends. So for Walker and Mike and Patrick, thanks for listening. Take care and have a good one. Bye. I love to talk about tight ends. <laughs>